Well, I've been to a lot of parties in my life. When you're a kid, you get invited to a lot of birthday parties all the time. Kids love parties, right? They love games. They love the presents. They really love the presents, y'all. They love the fun. They love cake. Honestly, truthfully, cake is the best part of parties, right? I love cake. Now, when I was growing up, my family, we didn't throw big, extravagant birthday parties. It's not that we didn't care about birthdays. It was just we didn't see a lot of need in celebrating in those big, extravagant ways the birthday. But there were other families that just loved to throw big parties. Every, every year, they would throw a big party for their kids' birthday. And so we would be invited to these parties. And I can remember the very first party, the first memory I have of going to another kid's birthday party. It was in a McDonald's. Does anybody remember the McDonald's birthday parties? Yeah. Kids today are not going to be able to remember and experience the McDonald's birthday party anymore. Like, they don't get to experience the giant cooler of orange drink, okay? And, and so we went to this McDonald's, right? And I remember that we bought this other kid a He-Man toy, right? And I loved He-Man. If you've ever heard me talk before about the toys I loved, He-Man was top of my list, right? And I had the He-Man. And I remember thinking, why do I have to give this toy to this kid? Like, I want it. Like, the epitome of greed, I was like, ah, I just could keep this, right? I want to keep this thing. But I gave it to him, and, and he loved it. The truth is, here's the truth. Later, my parents bought me the same toy, right? They probably bought it at the same time and hid mine from me. But they bought me the same toy. But this was my first memory of a party. That was my first memory. Eating birthday cake at McDonald's and not wanting to give this kid a gift. Now, we celebrate a lot of things in our lives, and we're getting ready to celebrate this week with these evenings of celebration, so I'd encourage you, just like Karen said in the video, sign up to be a part of that. We want you here. Pick one of those days. Come celebrate with us, because we love to celebrate. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate graduation parties, right? Tailgate parties, Bengals, right? Bengals fans, tailgate parties, right? Engagement parties, um, wedding receptions, Baby gender reveals. I don't know about that one, but they got them. Baby showers, right? We have parties for so many, and that's just to name a few, right? Parties are a lot of fun. And they're a lot of fun for a lot of reasons. Oftentimes, there's food at parties, right? Good food. Boy, I tell you what, Pam's family, they love to throw parties, and man, they make some good food at their parties. I gain like five pounds every time we have a party with Pam's family. I like come out of there and I'm like, oh, I ate too much. She's like, you know, you can limit yourself. I'm like, no, you can't. You've got to try everything. And they know how to eat. And sometimes, guess what they have at these parties? Cake. Yeah, they got cake. And sometimes at these parties, people get gifts. I mean, it's fun to watch people get gifts. We get to spend time with family. We get to spend time with friends. Most importantly, we get to celebrate something that matters to someone. We get to celebrate something that they're, that they're experiencing. And so for a few brief hours, we probably, as long as we're not the ones running the party, right, we get to sit back, we get to relax, and let all those cares of the world around us just kind of drift away while we're spending time with people we care about. We love to celebrate. Now, we've been in a series called Won't You Be My Neighbor?, And we are challenging people to think about how they love their neighbors. 
We've challenged people to get to know who their neighbors are, the people in their lives, not just their name, but to actually hear their story, to hear where they're coming from, to learn something about their past. And so we've set people on this mission to go and walk through the doors of people's lives and get to know them and care for those people. We've pushed you to invite people to your table. And we've also said, make it more about the relationships that you have instead of the busy schedule that you have. And why have we done this? It's because we want you all to know what it really means to be a neighbor. What the Bible tells us it means to be a neighbor. And not just the world's definition of neighbor, right? Because the world will tell you that a neighbor is someone who just waves and says hello every once in a while. Or maybe they come over and chat a little bit. Or maybe even a neighbor will help you out every now and then. But the reality is the world's definition says a neighbor doesn't know your mess. A neighbor's not involved in your life. A neighbor doesn't need to be involved in every little thing you've got going on. Someone, the neighbor of the world says it's somebody you drink beers with, but it's not somebody who you talk to about Jesus. Instead, we want you to be the kind of neighbor that Jesus tells you to be. The kind of neighbor who is more than just an acquaintance. Someone who walks through that door, right? Someone who loves and cares for the people around us, the people who live next door to us, but even the people who don't live around us and the people who are nothing like us. And today we're going to continue that neighboring conversation with this idea of throw parties like Jesus. Throw parties like Jesus. That's our big idea for today. Now, you know, this might be your first time in church. Maybe this is your first time here at church, or maybe it's your first time back to church in a long time. And I'm not sure exactly what your expectations were when you came in the door today or what you were expecting to hear from me or what you thought when you tuned in online this morning, when you joined us online. But if I said church, I'm guessing that for most of us, the first thing that comes to mind is not a place that throws parties. That's not what we think of. That generally is not our first expectation. And yet, if we read the Gospels, and the Gospels are just those stories of Jesus' life, what we see Jesus talking about is celebrations and parties. It's a regular thing we see throughout those Gospels. It's a regular recurring metaphor that Jesus uses for his kingdom, Maybe it is, I and Kevin and Nathan and I, we seem to do a better job of preaching the gospel. And I'm sure that's true. We should always do a better job of doing that because we don't associate those two things together, but we should. I think if we threw better parties, Jesus is really telling us that the kingdom is going to come a little bit closer here on earth. See, Jesus was regularly eating and drinking with other people and he wanted people to have fun. He really did. I mean, for goodness sakes, the very first miracle that's recorded in the Bible that Jesus performs is what? He turns water into wine. Where was he? At a wedding reception. That's a party right there. A wedding reception is a party. We've got people getting married today who go to this campus, right? They're getting married today, and they're going to have a reception. It's going to be a party They're a lot of fun. There's music. There's dancing. There's romance. Laughter. You know what else they have at wedding receptions? Cake. 
Yeah. Boy, I tell you what, if they could put a, there must have been cake in the Bible time. There had to have been. Right? This is what we want at church. We want that here. We want a party atmosphere. Now hear me, when we come in here on a Sunday morning, we want to worship the Lord, right? We want to worship. We want to be about be entering into a time of worship and praise to our God. But who said that had to be quiet? Who said it had to be subdued? David, King David, wrote the Psalms, right? And David wrote in the Old Testament, he regularly talked about making a joyful noise. Check this out. Psalm 33 says this. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. See, David wrote so many of these where he's talking about celebrating in worship. Celebrating. Making a joyful noise, right? And what did he say? He said it right here. He said, shout for joy. He didn't say whisper for joy. He said, shout, make a joyful noise. See, oftentimes we have this spirit where we want to have a party. We got to have this party. And that's when we come to praise God. It is a party because we are thanking God for what he's done for us. And this is what we want in here. We want a celebration. We want to celebrate We want to party. We want singing. I tell you what, if you want to dance, dance. Because that's okay. We want people to actually miss being here. They actually think, you know what, I'm going to miss out on the fun that is church. Because that's where the party's at. You don't normally hear that, right? And then what are we celebrating when we celebrate? We celebrate what God celebrates. Throw parties like Jesus. Now, Jesus three, tells a parable, three parables actually in the Gospel of Luke. And they show us exactly what we're celebrating when we have a party. He is showing us that when we find something that is lost, then we should be celebrating and having a party So I'd encourage you to open up your Bibles. If you've got a Bible here with you today, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Uh, Luke's in the New Testament. Third book into the New Testament. So we'll be in chapter 15. So if you've got a Bible, pull it up. Pull your Bible app up on your phone. Um, If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, you can stop by our hub this morning on the way out. We would love to give you a free Bible because we want you to be able to read God's Word. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to start off right in verse 1. In this chapter of Luke, we start off by reading about this scene that Jesus is in, and he's gathered with a group of people. So check this out. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So we're going to stop right there because I think it's important we understand this sets it up. These guys are saying, in other words, Jesus partied with the wrong people. He hung out with the wrong crowd, according to the Pharisees. Have you ever heard that? Like, has that been you? Like, yeah, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd, dude. You need to hang out with somebody a little less, you know, provocative or a little less 
criminal, okay? Let's be truthful, right? Like, don't hang out with them. My parents said that to me sometimes when I was growing up. It happens. You listen to your parents, kids, okay? I'm just saying. Your parents are smart people. But Jesus hung out with the wrong crowd, according to the Pharisees. It says that sinners would often come to hear him teach. And and in other parts of Scripture, it actually doesn't even just call them straight-up sinners. It calls them notorious sinners, Notorious sinners. Like these people were famous for sinning. They did the worst of the worst. Tax collectors were terrible people in the eyes of the Jewish people because they were Jewish themselves and they took money from their brothers and gave it to the Romans. So they were the worst of the worst. Notorious sinners. Now, it's interesting that we read this and we think, whoa, yeah, these guys are really coming down on Jesus. Because generally speaking, for us, it's religious people who come to church, right? It's religious people, for the most part, that come to church, and irreligious people do not. And so in one sense, we think this seems a little backwards that these Pharisees are saying this, but look around, because that's a lot of what we're experiencing Because maybe we're doing this all wrong. Reality is, I want you to think about two questions today. Two questions that are going to be important. One is, who are you befriending? And second is, who are you offending? Who are you befriending and who are you offending? See, if we're befriending religious people and often offending irreligious people, I think we've got Jesus backwards. We think we're following Jesus, but reality is we're probably following the Pharisees. Because here's what I know for sure. Jesus was a friend to sinners. Jesus offended Pharisees. And I would say to you that if that's the case, then we need to go and do likewise. But let me push this a little bit. See, it was these non-religious people that Jesus often had drawn to him, right? He drew these people, and the Pharisees, they didn't like it. They did not care for this. And so they accused Jesus of being a friend of sinners. And see, when they said this, they meant it to be an insult. They meant to insult Jesus. But reality is Jesus took it as a compliment. He took it as a compliment. Jesus actually said in Mark 2, he said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now we go back to those two questions, right? Who are you befriending? I think Jesus was about helping people find their way back to God. And that generally starts with befriending people who are far from God. I think as a believer, you need to make, if, you, if, you're, if you're sitting here today and you say, I believe in Jesus and I'm a follower of Jesus, then it's not about just believing what Jesus said. And it's not about just saying, I, I, I learn, I read about Jesus or I, he's part of my agenda. No, no, reality is if you're a believer, then you should be living Jesus. You should be living your life with Jesus as your main focus. Jesus is my life. And so, If you hang out with people, they should be experiencing Jesus through you. So if you're hanging out with people who don't know him, they ought to be finding out about him just by spending time with you. 
So who are you befriending? I hope it's people who are far away from God. And then who are you offending? Who are you offending? This should be a new commandment. It's not, so hear me say, don't go, Chris came up with a new commandment today. But the reality is, thou shalt offend Pharisees. Because that's what I see in the Gospels. That's what I see Jesus doing. Jesus could have healed any day of the week, guys. He could have healed, and he did. He healed all kinds of times. He healed every day of the week. But oftentimes, he chose to do so on the Sabbath. And I think he did that. This is personal opinion, but I think he did that because he knew it would just be a little bit more fun. It would be a little more fun. You know, I'm going to heal this guy. Not only am I going to do something great and heal this guy, I'm also going to question and push against and confront the religiosity of these Pharisees at the same time. I'm going to kill two birds with one stone, so to speak. So we're going to get back into our story here in Luke 15. And, and, and so Jesus, after he hears these mutterings and these words that these Pharisees are saying, he decides to confront this face on. And he decides to tell some stories or parables that go along with this. And he's going to tell three stories. He tells a story about a lost sheep. He tells a story about a lost coin. And he tells a story about a lost son. And these stories make one point. God has a huge heart for those people who are outside of the fold, outside of the fence, outside of the family. And so we should be saying that we exist, right, because of God's heart for that, that we should exist to bring people who aren't here yet into the family. We exist to start parties in heaven, throw parties like Jesus We exist to help people find their way back to God. That's what we exist for. See, this is a God, Jesus is telling us in these stories, that searches high and low for lost sheep. This is a God who sweeps the house for the coin, the single coin that's been lost. This is the God who is waiting and watching for his lost son. And when he sees him, he runs it in full speed. And we're going to focus in on that story. And maybe you've heard this story, or at least a version of it, right? It's the story of the prodigal son. Now, in the story, we see a son who goes to his father, right? He goes to his father, and he tells him that he wants his inheritance now. He doesn't want to wait until his father's dead. In essence, he's saying to his father, I wish you were already dead, because I want out. So he asks his father to give him his inheritance. And I don't know why, but his father says, okay. I'll give it to you. And so he takes off. And then if you've heard this story, you know the son blows all of his money. He blows it all. It's all gone. And he ends up in the mud and the filth with pigs. And so he decides to go home and ask for forgiveness. And so this is where we see how this story goes. And if you know me, you know I love this story. Gets me every time I read it or every time I talk about it. Because this dad sees his son coming from a long way. And what does he do? He runs to him. He runs and he embraces him and he hugs him. And so look at this next interaction picking up in verse 21 here. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Have you been there, right? Have we all been there at some point in our life, right? Those of you watching online, do you know how he feels right now? Because listen, we've all done this. We've hurt someone. We hurt someone we love. We've messed up. We've done something stupid. We've made mistakes, right? And maybe we've done it over and over and over. And so we look at these people and he said, listen to me, I'm sorry. I don't, I know you shouldn't forgive me. I know you shouldn't let me off the hook. I feel so bad. I just want you to know I'm sorry. And maybe you're sitting in here today and you've done this with God. Maybe you've felt this with God before where you, you've got hurts and poor choices and bad decisions and addictions and maybe there's infidelity in your marriage or maybe there's deception or maybe you're saying vile and evil things about people in your life and you struggle with the idea that God even wants you in his family and you don't even know how to say sorry. But Jesus goes on in the story and, and, and all of us who are struggling with this idea, we get, a, we get a, a beautiful picture that Jesus paints for us. Here's what he says, picking up back up in 22. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. See, what's happening here is this father is saying, put the robe on him. Put the, put the ring on him. And these represent him bringing this son back into the family. I mean, the son had basically said before, right, what? I wish I was done with you. But the father doesn't care about any of that. His son is home. He's bringing him back into the family. Now, for all you parents in the room, when you read this, you might feel what, or maybe them of you watching online, you may feel what I feel. Doesn't a little part of you say to yourself, man, I would have taken a little bit of time to make him feel it. I would have, about five minutes, I would have been like, did you run out of money? Oh, oh, you spent it all on prostitutes. Ooh. Mmm, that's not a good choice. Oh, you need dad to give you some more. Oh, I'm glad you're back. I mean, I would have done that, right? I won't stand up here and say that sometimes, okay, I feel a little guilty about this, but sometimes I've told my boys not to do something that I know is probably going to end up hurting them a little bit. Not enough to really mention them to the hospital, but hurt them, right? And they keep wanting to do it, and I'm like, okay, go ahead and do it. And I, I know they're going to get hurt and it's going to end up with a dad, come back to dad moment. And I'm going to go, did I tell you not to do that? Yeah, I am. I'm going to say that. I say those things. Parenting 101, you guys. I'm going to write a book. It's not a good one. It's going to say, basically, don't do this by Chris Emmons. That's not what the father does in this story, though. It's, Jesus doesn't say in the father after questioning for five minutes about what he did wrong. No, he just says he brought him back in. And what do they do? They, they celebrate. They threw a party. Now, I'm sure you're wondering how this plays into neighboring, right? Like, you've probably heard all this. And you're like, yeah, Chris, got it. Throw better parties. I'm on it. I love to party, right? Well, remember, we're not just talking about parties, but throw parties like Jesus. Throw parties like Jesus. And Jesus threw parties for the lost and for the sinner and for the people not like him, and the people who didn't believe in him, and the people who hadn't come into the family. 
just like this father. Now, there's this guy. His name's Bob Goff. He's a really famous Christian author. He's written a ton of stuff. Great guy. He wrote a book called Everybody Always. Here's a picture of it right here. It's very colorful. You should be able to find it. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm giving you, this is an advice for me. If you want to neighbor well, if you want to love people in your life really well, I encourage you to read this book. Because in this book, he, Bob, he talks about how you love people in your lives all the time. How can you do this all the time? And the truth is, it doesn't just happen with these amazing gestures, right? You don't have to do these amazing things to, to make people feel loved. It doesn't have to be a giant party you throw every time. But it's sometimes in these little moments that you can make this happen. Bob actually says this. He says, we start by meeting people just three minutes at the time. Just three minutes. So this week, your challenge is to celebrate someone this week. This week, you're going to cross paths with someone. Maybe it's someone outside of your normal group of people, right? Maybe it's a coworker or a neighbor, or maybe it's just the barista at Starbucks or the kid you pass in the hall or you sit next to in the classroom and you never talk to this person really, but I want you to throw a three-minute party for them this week. Love on them. We did this this week. We had a staff retreat this week where all of our staff came together and we all sat in a circle and it was really awkward because we all looked at each other and a bunch of us cried and it was fine, but we just loved each other. We just spent time, we went around the circle and every single one of us got affirmed or told something about us that people appreciated. And boy, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. So throw a three-minute party for somebody. Do something encouraging for them. Tell them something about them that you appreciate. Celebrate them somehow, some way. Find a way to make them feel loved. Now, let's get back into our story, because I'd love to tell you that this story ends right there, like, yay, party, no more bad stuff. But Jesus, man, Jesus loved to tell a good story, and he didn't end the story right there. Instead, there's this other son. This guy's got a second son. And so picking up in verse 23, 25, I'm sorry, here's what Jesus tells us about the other son. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants, called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now here's the thing, this other son, right, he doesn't take too kindly to this. He gets really mad, like he tells the servant, go get my dad. Like, go, he didn't even go get his own dad. He walked, sent a servant in to get his dad. And so when his dad comes out, he, he tells his dad off. Like, he looks at his dad and he says, Listen, dad, I've been slaving for you for years while this lazy bum ran off and spent all of his money on parties and fun. I've been doing what your son's supposed to do, keeping this family afloat, making things happen. He didn't even call his brother his brother. He said, Your son. He didn't even acknowledge his brother because to him, his brother had wanted them all dead. And so he tells his father this and he's, he, he looks at him and he says, where's my party? Because I've been doing the right thing. Why aren't you throwing me a party? That sounds about right, doesn't it? You ever done, been there? I've been there. Where I, where I think, boy, why are they getting any attention? 
They haven't been doing the right things. Why are they getting the good things? Now, three things I want you to take away from this. First of all, I think most of us would rather be right than righteous. There's a difference. I think there's a difference between being holy and being holier than now. We do that. See, this older brother was self-righteous. He was about being better than his brother, doing the, doing the right thing. Second thing is we tend to categorize other people's sins as worse than ours. We say, oh, that's worse than what I'm doing. They're a worse sinner than me. Oh, they're a homosexual. They're worse than me. Oh, they, they're, they're a liar. They're worse than me. They're, they're a cheater. They're, they're, they're worse than me. That's what this brother was doing. But reality is, he sees the greed and the lust in his brother. He sees all of that real clear, but he can't see the pride. He can't see the prejudice that he holds inside of his own heart. Because God says, all sin's the same, guys. It's all the same. And the third thing is, I think we really want God to be merciful with us and just with other people. He wants, we want their justice of God to be served on everybody but us. And that's a problem because when we do that, we begin to hold a grudge because God gives the justice equally. And we think, well, why can't he give me better mercy than he gives them? And then we let this bitterness grow inside of us. And that seed of bitterness turns into a tree of anger and hate and resentment. See, Jesus doesn't end the story there either. He goes on. His father responds to his son. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to, had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. See, Jesus is saying, just like this father said to the son, listen, I love you. You're in the family already. You're already here. God, we need to celebrate those who are coming into full life. We need to party because who we thought was dead is now alive. What was lost, we found. What that's worth throwing a party over. Throw parties like Jesus. So the question of the day is, who are you in this story? Are you the younger brother? Messing up? running away, feeling bad, coming back? Are you the older brother holding resentment and anger towards people who we don't think do it the right way? Are you religious or are you repentant? Listen, God could care less about religiosity. He, he doesn't care. You can't read the Gospels, right, the stories of Jesus' life, and not see Jesus going against people that had all the trappings and all of the rewards of, religious, of a religious world but had a heart that was just in the wrong place. Here's the reality. We've all been one of these people at some point. Maybe you still are today. Either we've messed up, right? We're messed up and we're coming home. 
Or we're busy using our religion and our rules and our standards as a reason to reject the lost and to reject the sinner. And the truth is, we both need Jesus. We both need to be forgiven for what we're doing. But there's a good side to all of this. There is a good side. In Luke, same chapter, but earlier in it, Jesus says this. There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One sinner. See, Jesus wants us in his family. He wants to put the robe around us. He wants to put the rings on our finger. We're accepted here. Your mistakes are not what define you. Your religion and your rules and your adherence to those rules, it's not what defines you. Jesus defines you as his son or his daughter. Give your life to him. Join the party. Listen, today we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate today. That's what we're about. We're going to be celebrating the decisions made by people to no longer be lost. But we're also going to celebrate the lives of people who've made this decision before. Because we celebrate what God celebrates. Today, if you're here in this room, okay, and you were baptized at White Oak, I want you to stand up. Stand up. If you were baptized at White Oak, stand to your feet. Yeah, look at me. That's awesome. Yeah. Just stay standing because I want you to hear that like life change has happened because of what God is doing through White Oak. Natalie talked about it before. Because of your generosity, life change has happened for these people. But you see, the Big C Church matters too. The The Big C Church is like the worldwide church, the church of all churches, not just White Oak. So I want you to hear me say that if you chose to be baptized at another church, at any church then I want you to go ahead and stand right now as well. Amen. Look at these people who chose to make their decision about making Jesus their life. God is celebrating these lives who were found. Go ahead and sit down, guys. Thank you so much. Now listen. After we sing a song, we're going to celebrate some awesome folks who've chosen to take the step of baptism. Who've chosen to take the step of baptism. They've already made this choice. But if you're here today in person, listen to me. If you're here today and you're ready to make that decision, you aren't one of those people that stood up. And that's okay. But if you're ready to make that decision, you're ready to make Jesus part of your life. Then I've got a question for you. What are you waiting for? You need to ask yourself, what am I waiting for? I don't want you to wait another second. See, Jesus is not waiting for you to explain your mistakes. He's not waiting for you to explain your past. He's not standing at the road saying, well, take about five minutes and explain to me what you did wrong first. He doesn't care. He does not care what you've done wrong because his sacrifice covered all those sins. He paved the path for full life on his back. 
Instead, if, you, if you're sitting here today and you feel called to be a part of this family, to join this party, then take the step today. Don't wait. I'm inviting you to join these people who've chosen to be baptized. Commit your life to Jesus. If this is you, if you're ready to be baptized today, then I want you to head to the back corner over here. There's a door right over here, the far, my left corner, okay? Head to that corner. We're going to have people waiting for you right over there. That'll get you ready to be baptized. Now listen, you can do that right now. Don't worry about what the person sitting next to you thinks. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Don't worry about what someone at home is going to think or your friends will think or anybody because this is between you and Jesus. This is a moment for you. And if you're watching online today, or maybe you're listening to this later in the week, right, and you're, and you're ready to take that step, and you want to be baptized, and I would encourage you to email me or Kevin Smith. Our emails are on the screen. You can email us at cemmons at dwocc.com or ksmith at dwocc.com, and we will meet you somewhere. We will bring you here. We will walk you into full life. We will baptize you. We will make it a priority to make this work for you. Because it's that important. Now, while these people are moving that way, I just want to pray for us this morning. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to be here. We thank you that we get to celebrate the life change that you have made happen in the lives of all of these people. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here today who is struggling to move towards that step, who says, I'm worried or I'm afraid or there's stress or what are people going to think, Lord, that you would just tear down that wall that Satan is trying to put between them and you. Lord, we know that you want us to be in your family. You want all of us to celebrate in heaven. So Lord, today we ask that to happen. In Jesus' name, we ask that to happen. Thank you for the sacrifice that your son made for us, and we pray all of this in his name. Amen.